Hello, we're Project 6 and we're a charity working with people in South and West Yorkshire. We deliver a range of services to support people with alcohol and other drug use to help individuals, families and communities to make meaningful and sustainable change in their well-being. And you're listening to our podcast. So the purpose of this, we wanted to share some ideas and different viewpoints on how we can improve drug and alcohol support, work that's already taking place and what the future could look like, and especially how we can challenge and even dismantle the stigma and discrimination associated with problematic alcohol and drug use. Why? Because that's what the people who come to our service say is what matters to them. This bite-sized conversation is between Changing Futures Programme Manager Michael Corbishley and Project 6 Senior Trainer Simon. Changing Futures is a three-year programme working in cities across England to improve systems and services for people experiencing multiple disadvantage. In this episode, they discuss the work that's already happening to improve services in Sheffield and explore what better would look like for people in the city. Hi, Michael. Um, thanks very much for joining us. It's appreciated. I- I'm Simon Francis. I'm the lead trainer at Project 6. Um, I'm Michael Corbish. I'm the programme manager for Change and Futures in Sheffield, um, and I'm based over at Sheffield City Council. Can, can you tell us a little bit about Changing Futures, uh, Michael, please? Sure. So Changing Futures is a grant-funded programme um, by the Department for Leveling Up Housing and Communities and the National Lottery Community Fund. Uh, it is a national programme, so Sheffield is one of 15 areas that uh, successfully bid for some funding. And I guess fundamentally it's looking at how we improve the way that support services and systems work for adults who are experiencing multiple disadvantage. And that is defined as, as people who are experiencing three or more out of homelessness, substance use, mental health, uh, contact with the criminal justice system, and are either victims or, or perpetrators of domestic abuse. Often Change of Futures gets described as a, a system change programme. We're, we're trying to change the way that the, the Sheffield system works. But I think for me, uh, I I like to describe it more as a learning program. So what we do in the program is a, a, a lot of what we do is looking at kind of what's going on in Sheffield, what's working, what isn't working, but also trying to think collaboratively and, and kind of collectively about what the what those solutions might be. I think there's a perception in some circles. Well, I know there is because I've heard uh, people talking that um, people have the lives that they've got because of the choices that they've made. What would you say to that? Yeah, the idea of um, personal responsibility and, you know, we're the, we're the outcome of of the decisions and choices that we've taken in life. I guess what I would, would point to is nearly every single vulnerable person that I've ever supported, come across worked with, met, kind of had any sort of contact with, um, the most common kind of connector between all of them is that during their childhood, they experienced some sort of of trauma. Um, So if if we look at the people that we're working with through that lens, so kind of what happened to them 
as they were growing up, as they as they were kind of trying to figure out who they were and kind of what was what in the world, um, it's almost definitive that uh, all of them will have experienced some sort of adverse childhood experience, which the professional jargon for that is is an ace or an ace aces. And so, you know, you wouldn't you wouldn't go to to really young children and say to them, you know, if they misbehaved, well, you shouldn't, I don't think, if children are misbehaving, you know you're you're wholly responsible for this you often look at kind of who who are the adults in their life and kind of how have they been helped to kind of get to kind of where they are now and how have they been helped to understand their emotions and behaviors and decision making and and things like that um and i think that really sticks with people right through into um adulthood so a lot of our cohort lots of contact with the with children's social services a lot of them grew up in the care system a lot of them have never had those kind of positive role models or structures that a lot of us rely on to have developed the skills and abilities to to think about um, what good decisions might look like and kind of how that works. And I guess the second bit to this is I think sometimes choice is the, the privilege of, of people who have options in life. And I think there's plenty of people who often feel like they don't have a choice in terms of kind of what what's happened in their life. So if you think about um, people who are victims of domestic abuse, you know, you could say, oh, it's really easy. They've made a choice to stay with that perpetrator. But that's a there's a fundamental lack of understanding about what things like coercive control, you know, how that works, how people get stuck in situations. Yes, we need to take personal responsibility. And yes, um, we do make decisions and uh, decisions have consequences. But I think what's what's more important to focus on is how do we help people um, develop the kind of skills and the ability to kind of think about those things for the first time maybe in their life as an adult. For sure. The kind of phrase, what happened to you rather than what's wrong with you springs to mind. What will good look like then? Uh, And what will perfect look like? I I guess I'd be a bit hesitant to say... um, what perfect might look like. Uh, I guess perfect, uh, in a perfect world, we um, are preventing people from getting into these situations in the first place. So lots of support for people in their kind of early years, lots of kind of early intervention and prevention type type work that's going on that kind of helps address uh, people's underlying needs at the earliest opportunity. Um, thinking about some of the people that we work with in the programme you know, they've been screaming out for support for for a really long time, some of them decades. One of our co-production volunteers recently spoke about, you know, if his mental health had actually been addressed and acted on in his his late teens, he could have had a life, he could have had a family, a job, a house. But instead, here he is in his kind of mid-40s, and he's just now starting to kind of get to grips with his, his situation and kind of what's going on for him. So yeah, I think that's what perfect would look like, is is kind of that where we're stopping people get into the the situation where they they do have multiple needs and um, life is chaotic and and risky and scary and and things like that. Um, I think in the absence of that, I think what good looks like um, in the system is that when people want support, they can get it, um, I guess, is is a really basic principle. So if I need support around my mental health, that, you know, it's accessible. I don't have to wait. Um, months and months and months. If I if I want support around an addiction that um, I can I can turn up one day, 
and on that same day I'm I'm kind of I'm, I'm getting a support offer uh, there. Um, if I'm homeless, I can I can get housed, that sort of thing. I think that's that that would be the the good or maybe even the minimum that we should be aiming for um, as a system. If you got a magic wand, or I, I got a ma- or any of us have got a magic wand, and we could change only one thing, what would that one thing be? Um, I think for me, and this is probably a, a national thing, is um, kind of how ac- accessible mental health support is in in the country. So, I think we've we've got into a, a difficult place uh, across the UK, but particularly in, in kind of England around the threshold that people need to meet in order to to access kind of statutory provision um and that's kind of in 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 two ways if you know if you've got low level mental health needs you know you're suffering from things like depression and anxiety you can go through your gp they can give you some meds you can get your six kind of sessions of cbt therapy and things like that um you might have to wait a little bit to to get those uh, to get that therapy but eventually you know because of your situation you're able to to kind of to wait wait that out and and access it when it comes up the other end of the scale we have people who are in complete crisis you know experiencing uh, psychosis um uh, real kind of high risk of self-harm or harm to others and we've got a situation where those people can access mental health provision they're getting sectioned on a regular basis either through kind of health professionals but frequently through the police which is a a really bad route into mental health support is through the criminal justice system um but that's the other kind of route in is that you hit such a crisis point that people have to react to what's going on for you and have to kind of give you something if you're in that kind of middle ground where you have mental health needs you're not really presenting a crisis to others but you, you yourself are in crisis you're really in a you're stuck between a rock and a hard place because you might be able to get referred into mental health services but the way they're set up at the moment is they won't work for you because they might offer you an appointment which you might not turn up to and then you're discharged or they'll phone you and you don't answer the phone and then you you know you, that's it you, you get discharged or whatever it may be or the wait times are so long that it's just not realistic for you to wait 6 12 months to get that kind of treatment when right now you're in crisis and i think we're kind of forcing that middle group more and more to be that kind of crisis group at the top top end of the chain and that's how the kind of system's geared up at the moment so i think if i could change one thing it would be to kind of drastically increase um the amount of mental health resource and provision we have uh in the country and i say all of that not not that i don't think mental health services and staff do a, an excellent job I think you know this is this is the perils of a, an under-resourced and underfunded part of part of the system. I, I guess the question is then: so all the fantastic work that you and the team have been doing, and everybody involved in changing futures, um, there's something about sustainability. And so, kind of, what what do you think we need to do uh, in Sheffield to make this the gains, the valuable gains that we made, sustainable? We're a three-year program, so we're 18 months in, uh, so just over the halfway mark um, at the moment. Um, and I think sustainability is is the, the the big thing for us at the moment. It's what takes up a lot of a lot of our headspace. How do we make sure that all of the good work of the program isn't lost as soon as the funding ends and and you know me and the rest of the team kind of disappear into the 
the ether, so to speak. Um, and I guess for me, there's a there's a couple of bits to that. I think the the main one and the the part of the program that I, I really feel is the cornerstone is around co-production and, and the voice of lived experience. And I think that is if if we can get people with lived experience really embedded in the design, delivery, and evaluation of of services. Um, that and we can sustain that beyond this program. We can get the resources to keep that going. That that will have the, by far the biggest impact on on how the Sheffield system uh, goes on to operate. Because um, every time I've ever done any work with with people who use services, you end up with a better service at the end of it. You end up with a better support package. Um, the way you work and the way you think um, are all kind of drastically improved. Um, and so I think that's our kind of biggest opportunity in terms of sustainability is, is how do we get people with lived experience really empowered and uh, able to, to kind of drive the, the changes that we want to see uh, forwards in the years to come. And that's not a definitive process either. I don't, I think that's ongoing, you know, there, there's always something that can be improved, always something that we could be doing better. Um, and I, yeah, I really feel that, that people who use services are best place to kind of to, to push that really. Some more practical things around making the program sustainable is we've got a number of kind of system change uh, objectives uh, and, and kind of plans where we want to change particular bits within the Sheffield system. So that could be things like the way that hospital discharge is working for homeless people at the moment or the way that um, women are being supported in services. It could be uh, kind of recruitment practices so that we can get more people with lived experience into kind of paid roles in the sector there's a whole range of kind of stuff there and um one of the things that we're we're going to be doing over the next or the, over the remainder of the program is a we want to implement those bits of system change and kind of push those forwards as a program but we want to attach those bits of work to existing kind of strategic boards and bodies in the city so that even when the program kind of falls away that those those kind of bits of the system can keep that work going so they can see the value in the things that we've done so far and we can kind of leave them with a, a bit of a kind of next steps recommendations. If, if people are interested in the program, we've got our own website, changingfuturesheffield.info. When, you know, when I speak about us as a learning program, we're producing things like learning reports. We've got some multimedia content on there. We've got some of our us kind of system mapping work and things like that so lots of content for people to engage in if if they've heard anything interesting they want to they want to learn more that's the the kind of the place to go really thanks to michael for sharing about what's happening with changing futures there's a link to their website in the description of this episode don't forget 22nd June, the Project 6 Ideas Conference is coming to Doncaster. It's going to be a day of discussion and workshops exploring how we can rebalance the drug and alcohol ecosystem to make services that better serve our communities. Head to project6.org.uk slash conference for the full programme and tickets and we hope to see you there. That's it. Thank you for joining us. Until next time.